Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We are very glad you are here for the Three Martini Lunch, a very special edition of the Three Martini Lunch, which we'll explain in just a second. But we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And, and it is the 11th anniversary of the dawn of the Three Martini Lunch. October 19th, 2010 is the beginning of this podcast. And at the end of today's conversation, we're going to be looking at our favorite moment, which I think is pretty unanimous uh, from the history of the Three Martini Lunch and some uh, of our top moments from just the past year. So with that, Jim, uh, let's uh, dive right into our good martini. And one of the indications uh, that a party does not think things are going to go well in the next election is that people who have been around a long time don't want to run again, not because they can't win, because they don't want to be in the minority. And just the past few days, we've seen three very senior, very prominent Democrats in the House of Representatives say, you know what, I'm not running again in 2022. First of all, it was John Yarmuth, the chairman of the House Budget Committee. He's from the Louisville area of Kentucky, hasn't had a tight race in a very long time, but he's not going to be running again. And then yesterday, we got news of two more. Uh, One is uh, North Carolina Democrat David Price, who is in his early 80s, but he's on the Appropriations Committee. And once you get those seats, you usually hang out to them as long as humanly possible. Uh, He is not running again. Another safe seat. Same thing for Mike Doyle, uh, Democrat from Pennsylvania. He is on the Energy and Commerce Committee and uh, chairs one of the subcommittees there. And so these are powerful people who have the uh, ability to steer a lot of money in areas where they want to steer it, which is uh, unfortunately one of the reasons why a lot of people like to stick around in Congress. So, Jim, uh, when you have an inclination, you might not have that power any longer and you're getting somewhat long in the tooth. Uh, the exits start looking pretty attractive. Indeed. It's good to make the distinction that these are not necessarily particularly promising pick up opportunities for Republicans. In fact, you can probably say if they're winning districts like this, then they're winning pretty much every competitive, even even remotely competitive uh, uh, district and seat on the board. But as you said, there's a signal to hear that these guys aren't expecting to be in the majority next year. They can see the handwriting on the wall. They only need to flip uh, a handful of seats. I think the other kind of really intriguing one rumor that came out in just the last couple of days came from uh, Fox News and ironically from um, uh, Maria Bartiromo uh, was saying that Nancy, Nancy Pelosi is contemplating retirement after the Build Back Better legislation is passed. Um, nobody's confirmed it. And there's probably a good reason to wonder if Pelosi really was thinking of doing this. Would Fox News get the exclusive and would Maria Bartiromo get the exclusive? But that having been said, there's a certain logic to that, that Nancy Pelosi, um, she'd already said she did not want to be speaker after 2022. And so the idea is that, you know, the question is, once you've been speaker, is it really all that much fun to uh, just be a regular member of the House? She's obviously getting up there in years. You know, Democrats can see nothing has happened in the last, you know, couple of months to shake this historical pattern that the par- president's party usually does really does it really badly, and they don't have much of a margin to begin with. Um, the other thing that kind of is jumping out here is just this uh, accumulating sense. We'll, we'll, we will have another strong indicator in about another two weeks, uh, maybe three, I guess, when uh, when the Virginia gubernatorial election does. Uh, what's it, Terry McAuliffe is now cutting an ad saying that he was taken out of context. When he said he didn't want parents telling schools what to teach, uh, now he said it during the debate. It's using video. It's really kind of 
hard to see that. And obviously, I'm really hoping Glenn Young can run some ads that say, actually, here's the context and just show it all and just say, actually, no, Terry McAuliffe's, you know, uh, meant what he said. And he's just now trying to wiggle out from under it. So if Virginia, if Young can win, which I'm still not convinced is going to happen, although it feels a little more plausible with each passing day. Um, then yeah, then you're really going to see Democrats panicking. You're really going to see anybody who's even contemplating retirement and say, okay, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. Um, again, don't, it's not a huge deal, but it is an indicator that, yeah, Democrats are like, we can see the handwriting on the wall. This is not, you know, the passing build back better is not going to be a game changer. It's starting, the, the cake is starting to bake. It's just really hard to see, you know, and this is the sort of thing where it's going to help Republican recruitment. It's going to hurt Democratic recruitment. Um, if you're a House member and you're thinking about running for Senate, maybe you decide to jump into that or run for governor or run for some other higher office. You know, these things just build a momentum of their own. And uh, if you're a Republican and you want to see House Republicans control the House of Representatives, uh, the news from Price and Doyle, as well as, you know, Yarmouth and a couple of these other guys, is a strong indicator that uh, everybody can see the wave coming in 2022. Yeah, it's fascinating. You uh, you talk about uh, speakers not really wanting to be rank and file members anymore. I think Pelosi's the only person to not continue as speaker to stay in the House and stay in, in leadership in, in modern memory. Uh, she's been in the Democratic leadership for over 20 years now, and has been the Democratic leader will be 20 years at the end of, of this Congress. But, you know, you go back to our childhood, Jim. Tip O'Neill didn't run for re-election. Jim Wright forced to resign. Tom Foley lost. Newt Gingrich resigned. And, and, and he was still in the majority. It just didn't go well enough in 98. And he, he stepped down. And then Dennis Hastert uh, stepped down after Republicans lost control in 06. And then he went to prison. Uh, Nancy Pelosi hung around. Uh, John Boehner resigned. Paul Ryan didn't run for re-election. And then Nancy Pelosi again. So, yeah, once you're not speaker anymore, usually you quit. Only Nancy has decided to... Um, Stick it out and pay it off for her. We'll see if it actually uh, pays off for her with the legislation. Hopefully not. Well, Greg, just two observations on that. First is that the the you know the, the really brutal truth is that most careers in politics end in disappointment. Yeah, you, you yeah. Know, most, most most people don't get elected, and most people who get elected will eventually lose some race somewhere. So you end up defeated, you know, at the end of your career in the vast majority of cases. Secondly, maybe there's an old gypsy curse on the Speaker of the House. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a lot of Mr. Garrity, how dare you use the term gypsy curse? Not a lot of fairy tale endings, at least recently, with with that position. But uh, anyway, let's talk about something uh, different and a new sponsor here for the Three Martini Lunch on our special anniversary edition, and it is Marpipe. Uh, look, the secret of creative testing is this: no one knows what they're doing, from CMOs to marketing managers. Everyone is pretty much making it up. They're faking it, and if that's you. You're safe with us, but just admit that you don't know. Then make your life a whole lot easier and finally know that you know with Marpipe. Marpipe is the new multivariate testing platform for Facebook ad creative that lets you do creative testing better. The average Marpipe customers reports that their ad performance doubles in less than 30 days. Now, this is not some shady offer that you find in your spam folder. Marpipe is an Adobe-backed advertising technology platform that is remaking the digital creative industry. And it is deceptively simple. You just upload your assets and Marpipe will create hundreds of ad variants and seamlessly launch them with just one click. 
Marpipe works with companies that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook to brands as large as Mars, Tubi, and Quip. And Business Insider calls Marpipe the money ball of ad creative. So if you're spending over $25,000 a month on Facebook advertising, you definitely need Marpipe today. Book a free demo at marpipe.com slash martini right now and get a free $2,000 credit. But that's only good until December 31st. Sign up for your free demo again and get a free $2,000 credit at marpipe.com slash martini. It's only now through the end of the year, though, so act soon. Marpipe.com slash martini. All right, Jim, we've seen a lot of bizarre explanations from Jen Psaki and Pete Buttigieg and other people affiliated with the Democratic Party about how, you know, the supply chain crisis and uh, inflation, all of this is ultimately indications that things are going great with the economy, not that we have huge problems. But uh, as people deal with the supply chain crisis, uh, lower inventory, higher prices, we're being reminded by columnist Micheline Maynard over at the Washington Post to stop whining. Stop expecting stuff to be there when you want it to be. This is going to be a really winning argument for Democrats. So it's bad that the Democrats are uh, scolding us about having actual consumer expectations. But man, if this is their tone, next year is going to be a lot of fun on Election Day. But here's what she says. American consumers, their expectations pampered and catered to for decades are not accustomed to inconvenience. Quote, for generations, American shoppers have been trained to be nightmares. Amanda Mull wrote in August in the Atlantic before the supply chain problem truly turned ugly. Quote, the pandemic has shown just how desperately the consumer class clings to the feeling of being served. Customers' persistent whine, why don't they just hire more people, sounds feeble in this era of the great resignation, especially in industries such as food service with reputations for being tough places to work. Rather than living constantly on the verge of throwing a fit and risking taking it out on overwhelmed servers, struggling shop owners, or late-arriving delivery people, we do ourselves a favor by consciously lowering expectations. And so, Jim, I don't know what's better. Going back to the Jimmy Carter era of, you know, your demands, your expectations are just too high, or the sneering tone of uh, the fact that how dare you get used to how things have been for most of your life. Now, Greg, this is the part where I'm supposed to say... Oh, come now. Michelin Maynard is a contributing columnist for the Washington Post, and it's not her job to tell people to vote for Democrats or to encourage people to support the administration or to not blame President Biden for what's going wrong. With that said, come on. (laughs) The two paragraphs in this column that just had me like leaping out of my chair and saying, what is wrong with you? So she quotes Lisa McDonald, the owner of Tea House and Ann Arbor shop selling tea and gifts. And McDonald says, I understand people are getting frustrated, but it's time for people to take a chill pill. But Greg, I'd love to take a chill pill, but they're not available at the local GNC (laughs) um, because of the supply chain issues. Uh, I'm just not going to have the things that I usually have. Maybe they aren't going to get the purple mug, but the blue one is pretty too. First, I got plenty of mugs. (laughs) Like, oh, we don't have the right color mug. And that's no, no, it's a lot more than that. Perhaps the one that just jumped out at me this morning. The Denver public school system is struggling to get enough milk for the kids when they have school breakfasts and school lunches. Okay, that's not a laughing matter. That's not a question of what, oh, you have to settle for a different color mug or something like that. Um, and I guess, you know, within like just 
10 seconds of Googling, I found like, you know, vintners who can't, you know, have got, they've got the grapes, they got the wine, they just don't have bottles or labels, which are really important for getting your wine into the hands of customers. Uh, hardware stores in the Pacific Northwest have like half the goods they usually carry. So, you know, you need a rake, you need something, you know, some tool, good chance they may not have it. Uh, toy stores are already warning you that Christmas, they're, they don't know what they're going to have. We're talking like, you know, Hot Wheels, Mattel, Lego, all the big brands. Um, and there's this, I've linked to a story about this guy. He's a specialty food store. He can't get olive oil. And like, this is like his main product that he sells. And like, he can't get it. So for these businesses, like if they don't have goods to sell, people don't come into the store and they don't give them money, which means they can't pay the rent, can't pay the utilities, can't pay, you know, like they're, they're finding themselves really stuck. And what kind of I find maddening about this is you're hearing all kinds of explanations that I don't know about you that just don't quite add up. Oh, it's the pandemic. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end of year two with the pandemic. We had some supply chain issues uh, early in the first couple of months of the pandemic. Um, you may remember, you know, uh, meat and beef, uh, particularly bad, because you know, they had uh, issues at the stockyards and issue at the meatpacking plants of, you know, lots of people uh, getting infected with COVID-19 and, and, you know, having to shut down the plant for a couple of days and stuff. Um, toilet paper, right? You know, everybody was doing their business at home instead of doing their business at the workplace. And as a result, there was all this toilet paper stored in the workplaces and these empty office, you know, restrooms. Uh, and people couldn't find it on the shelves. But the interesting thing is we, we worked through that kind of fast. I, I feel like maybe I'm looking at back through rose-colored glasses, but you know, those things seem to take care of themselves within a matter of days, within a matter of weeks. Um, you didn't see this. And then you see the statistics, like there are more than 200,000 shipping containers currently sitting there off the coast of Los Angeles. How did the entire U.S. economy, and the, it's obviously globalized, obviously interconnected with the rest of the world, supply chains, extending to Asia, all across the West. How did we go from a well-oiled machine before the pandemic to so many goods being delayed in short supply in so many places so quickly? And you know, I, I just mentioned this a little bit a while before we started taping on Twitter. And somebody said, well, Jim, it's because of, of uh, the, the pandemic. There are 700,000 dead Americans who aren't working anymore. And I'm saying that, like, you know, sure, surely some of them are truck drivers. Surely some of them probably are a port worker or, you know, here and there. But the vast majority of people who passed away from COVID-19 were senior citizens. The vast majority of them, I suspect, were retired. Certainly the people who were in nursing homes up in New York City that, that uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo murdered. I'm sorry, that he let die. Um, you know, that those folks weren't part of the supply chain. It, it's kind of like you're left baffled. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we were having this, we should have having these supply chain issues all throughout the pandemic. Not as, you know, as I wrote in today's Morning Jolt, it really looks like we're starting to come out of it. The Delta wave probably was the last surge of cases and deaths we're going to see, although I'm you know, probably knocking on wood as I say that. This is really, really bad. This is not something she said, oh, yeah, we survived this in the 70s. Yes. And we punished Jimmy Carter for it. And she goes, through, yeah, you know, we were food rationing in the 40s. Yes, we were fighting the Frischunken Nazis and Japanese and Italian. Good, you know, we, this is, who are we fighting right now? We're out of Afghanistan. What is causing this giant? Why, why can the kids in Denver public schools not get milk? And that's you know, this idea of, oh, you're being spoiled. Oh, you're, your expectations are so high. But yes, I really do hope the Democrats, as they approach the 2022 midterms, approach it with this appropriate, fitting, spot on message and slogan. America, it's time to lower your expectations. <laughs> hey, we got three straight presidential election victories out of that message. So, uh, you know, they're welcome to it. They're welcome to it. But uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for them to come up with their latest 
lame expectations and uh, arguments, you can get a good nap in at least, and you can do that on your Giza Dream Sheets from My Pillow. The Giza Dream Sheets are soft, they're comfortable, best set of sheets we've ever owned, and right now you can buy one and get one free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets when you use our promo code Martini at MyPillow.com. Greg, have you noticed we've gotten a single complaint about people not being able to get their Giza Dream Sheets delivered to them? That's because they're made here, right? I was going to say, you know, even that we've got truck drivers, they've managed to figure out a way to get it to you. So, you know, this one thing you can rely on, you can rest easy upon, are your Giza Dream Sheets. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. And this long staple cotton, which somehow manages to get here from Egypt, <laughs> makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 to find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, on to our crazy martini before we get to our anniversary celebrations. And uh, China, according to the BBC, Jim, now denying reports that it tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile earlier this year, insisting instead that it was a routine spacecraft check. The initial report in the London Financial Times newspaper prompted concern in Washington, where U.S. intelligence was reportedly caught by surprise. Hypersonic missiles are much faster and more agile than normal ones, meaning they are more difficult to intercept, and it comes as concern grows around China's nuclear capabilities. But on Monday, Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian told a media briefing that a routine test had been carried out in July to verify different types of reusable spacecraft technology. Over at the White House, Jen Psaki kind of curious about this, uh, noting that there is concern But uh, listen to the uh, verbiage here. Well, I know General uh, uh, Secretary Austin, I should say, uh, was asked this question this morning and addressed it. uh, But I'm not going to comment on the specific report. I can say and would echo what he said, which is generally speaking, we've made clear our concern about the military capabilities that the PRC continues to pursue. Uh, And we have been consistent in our approach with China. Uh, We welcome stiff competition, but we do not want that competition to veer into conflict. And that is certainly what we convey privately as well. Jim, I don't remember the Reagan administration talking about how it welcomed the competition of the the Soviet Union or any other uh, nefarious player on the world stage. It's still like we're, you know, treating them like the last two years and really, you know, the last 70 years plus in in China have never happened. And so uh, we're just going to pretend we're, you know, friendly competitors on the world stage. And I'm sure you believe uh, the Chinese denials here. Say, even if you do see the Chinese as friendly competitors, like, you know, oh, well played, Beijing, well played, you know, I'm kind of left in the area of hypersonic global intercontinental missiles. Really? That's that's where you're welcoming (laughs) the Olympics. Fine. Because here's the thing. Once you say good job with those hypersonic missiles, it's probably just a short step from there to good job with taking Taiwan. Um, You know, you don't want to say to these guys and, and, you know, I, I. 
you know, we could just do a one martini a day could always be, I can't believe Jen Psaki has this job and I can't believe she's so bad at this considering how much practice she gets and how much every, almost every day, there's some version of, well, what the president meant to say was, you know, or, or sometimes what Ron Klain meant to say. And things like that. Um, but yeah, I just, just, you know, we talked about it this a bit on the, the editor's podcast in our couple of days, just the uh, tape earlier today, there are signs one after another that, you know, Beijing fully expects this coming century to be the Chinese century and fully expects that they are going to be throwing their weight around and the preeminent geopolitical power on this planet. They may think that they're that already. And, and, you know, when you see statements that we've talked about on this podcast, uh, really going back years, but, you know, on Hong Kong, on Taiwan, on the origin of the COVID-19 virus, um, the Uyghurs, I mean, just go down the list, you know, China is like, you know, we decide how we behave. We decide what happens in this region. We're going to throw our weight around and it's up to you to see if you want to stop it. And there's just, you know, on front after front, you know, we have an administration that seems really nervous about confronting them and having no appetite for confrontation and a corporate class that just wants to play games with them and to completely is happy to help facilitate uh, China's ever expanding power and things like that. So it, it is really di- just, you know, dire, but uh, at least we've always got, you know, Jen Psaki welcoming the competition and saying, Hey, boy, good job. And uh, yeah, we're going to get our, our butts handed to us, Greg. <laughs> at this pace, it, it clearly is the case. Cause uh, as we know from the past couple of months, um, uh, they didn't send their best when it comes to Pentagon leadership, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, nothing will dampen our enthusiasm today, Jim, because today is our 11th anniversary. As we mentioned, uh, 2010 was when this podcast uh, started. It was just a couple of weeks before the very successful 2010 midterms. 2010, both of our football teams made it to their respective conference championship games and have not won a playoff game since. Although, I'm told your odds of winning playoff games are much higher if you actually make the playoffs. Since 2011, the Jets haven't lost a playoff game. So... (laughs) That's a good way to put it. But uh, as we as we celebrate here our steel anniversary, I, I, I looked that up. That's a good masculine uh, gift. I'm not sure what exactly you get someone for steel for the anniversary, but uh, we're going to give you uh, a selection of our favorite clips from the past year, as well as our favorite clip of all time. Uh, and it just kind of shows you the uh, the spectrum that we capture here in the Three Martini Lunch. First, on the poignant side, uh, here is Jim uh, remembering the kindness of Rush Limbaugh as we paid tribute to Rush uh, when we learned the news that he passed back in February. There was absolutely no reason in the world for Rush Limbaugh to do me a favor. And he did it. And I got 20 minutes on the show talking about my book. I wish I could say it sold more copies, but nonetheless, like it was just one of the, I have so many people have those stories of Rush Limbaugh, you know, helping them out, uh, giving them a blurb for their book, giving them um, some kind words, giving them exposure, you know, helping people out. And so many people, as I'm looking at my Twitter feed, as we're recording this, Greg, are saying, I'm a conservative because of Rush Limbaugh. And then more on the uh, comedic side, Jim, we learned at the, uh, I think it was end of May, beginning of June, that we can't name viruses and variants after places anymore because that's, you know, uh, xenophobic or something. So we're going to name them after uh, letters of the Greek alphabet. And here's how uh, we reacted to that. Jim, it's so hard to say Wuhan. It's so hard to say China. What do you make of uh, the WHO covering itself in glory again here? So just to get this clear, in order to avoid confusion, they're going to use a system that uses the the labels beta, theta, zeta, and eta. 
Yeah, there's no way that gets confusing. You know, it's like, great, instead of learning geography, now we're all going to sound like we're being attacked by a bunch of fraternities. Then in August, we celebrated the uh, resignation announcement from Governor Andrew Cuomo. And uh, I think I've gotten Jim to laugh a number of times on this podcast, but never quite like this. It's been said, this is not a joke that's original to me, but uh, since George Pataki left office as New York governor in January of 2007, so over the past 14 and a half years, there have been three governors of New York. Two have been forced from office now for their wandering eyes, and the only one that wasn't was legally blind. Uh, <laughs> that's a... <laughs> And then also back in February, Jim, Bill Gates was out there saying that uh, everyone, but particularly wealthier nations, need to stop eating actual beef and turn to synthetic beef. And well, we had some uh, we had some objection to that. I like milk. I like beef. I can tell the difference. So my answer to Mr. Gates is simply uh, no. I'm going to go beyond no, Greg. I'm going <laughs> to say, you see, you see those ribs? You see that burger? You see that uh, nice pot roast? You see that uh, chicken breast? You see that giant pile of barbecue? You will get it when you pry it from my cold, dead hand. But the greatest of all time, Jim, is still from uh, the summer of 2016, following the horrific uh, mass shooting in Orlando. Uh, We found out that the FBI had missed a number of clues, failed to even follow up on a uh, concern from Disney World itself. And so we decided that uh, perhaps... Disney characters needed to pick up the slack where the FBI was dropping the ball. What do they have to do to get rounded up? <laughs> right? I mean, like, you know, just, just what is that threshold? Because in this case, this guy never tripped that threshold. And as a result of it, you know, close to 50 people are dead. You got me thinking when you mentioned what Stephen Miller said, that Mickey Mouse is doing more than the FBI to, to protect us. As the father, and we've mentioned this before, of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, that would be the greatest episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse ever. Oh, hands where I can see him. ha, oh. ha. Hey, kids, you want to help us catch terrorists? Let's check out our mouse tools. We're going to have a stun I'm gun. I'm picturing like <laughs> Disney's 24. Copy that. Oh, I don't have time to explain. <laughs> I will shoot your wife in the knee if you don't tell me where the bomb is. <laughs> Goofy's doing enhanced interrogation techniques. And... Hope you like water. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's our, there's our good martini, Greg. Ah, Jim's Disney CTU never gets old. Uh, Love doing this more and more every year and every day. Uh, The world certainly gives us plenty to talk about, but it's uh, still is my favorite part of every day. Greg, I hope we do this podcast for at least another 11 years, or at least until we're both retired and, and, you know, very well off in that retirement, hopefully. Uh, But I don't know if we'll ever do anything as funny as Disney CTU. Um, It's just, and the thing, we didn't plan it. It just kind of came out of us that day. I think it was a sign that you've been watching a lot of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse with your daughters. (laughs) And the whole Mouse Couture's had been reverberating in your head for a long time. Uh, Plus the idea of Mickey Mouse being this little bit of a sadist just makes me happy. (laughs) Let's see how much blood we can get out of you this time. Anyway, um... Yeah, it's been an enormous amount of fun. It's one of the highlights of my day. And listeners, I hope this is one of the highlights of your day. We you know, kind of paraphrase those airlines. We know you have a choice when it comes to podcasts because everybody is doing a podcast <laughs> these days. And a lot of them are about like, you know, decade old murders. And Greg and I don't get into that. Um, but all of your your kind words, your kind reviews always mean a lot to us. Greg, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm always get a pleasant feeling when I go over onto iTunes and people make fun of my speaking tics. Uh, but the other thing that they they always say is they really, really love how the show is um, short. 
uh, in only about 20 minutes and it fits their commute and it doesn't go on for lots of other podcasts. But anyways, so it is enjoyable and it is great that we can put something into people's lives and hopefully they get enjoyment out of it, they get a little bit of information about it and, uh, you know, have, have go, send you off into life feeling like you can handle anything that's coming your way. Fun, informative, and short. Uh, not sure we uh, honored the short part today since we really had four martinis, but I uh, uh, hope you'll forgive us for that and join us again tomorrow. Jim, uh, great fun looking back as always, but uh, we'll look forward again tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today and for the past 11 years. As Jim said, you're the reason that we're still doing this, that we have so much fun and uh, that the podcast has been successful. So thank you so much for that. Uh, tell your friends to subscribe as well. Uh, we're grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday and please join us on Wednesday for the next three martini lunch there's so much going on in the news but don't worry because we're here to talk about all the things southwest is canceling thousands of flights professional sports are becoming more political than ever by forcing players to get vaccinated and the economy is going down the toilet with gas prices continuing to skyrocket hey it's the chicks from the chicks on the right podcast download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day politics to pop culture nobody's safe but it's all fun subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts